Hi, I'm Dr. Amy French of the Delta College History Department. Today, our moment in time takes us back to Chicago during the Industrial Revolution. The Depression of the 1890s had hit the White City pretty hard. The Pullman Company responded to the financial crisis by laying off workers and cutting wages. The Pullman Company was known for its sleeping cars, and when one still hears the name, that is probably the first image that comes to mind. But Pullman was also famous for its company town. Pullman owned a bunch of land south of Chicago that became Pullman, Illinois. The company built housing on the property and charged rent that was 20 to 25 percent higher than rent for similar housing in Chicago. Pullman also profited from utility bills, which were, along with rent, taken from workers' pay. As one worker said, we are born in a Pullman house, fed from the Pullman shop, taught in the Pullman school, catechized in the Pullman church, and when we die, we shall be buried in the Pullman cemetery and go to the Pullman hell. In this scenario, workers had little autonomy. If they did something their boss didn't like, they could face not just unemployment, but being thrown out of their home. This type of corporate paternalism limited men's independence. If they wanted a job at Pullman, they had to accept the fact that they couldn't choose where they were going to live, couldn't find lower-priced housing, had to buy food at the company store, and wouldn't have a lot of the self-sufficiency that they were used to. The Pullman culture would be their world. As financial times worsened, George Pullman fired one-third of his employees and cut wages for the rest by 25 to 40 percent. But he didn't cut the price of their rent or lower the cost of goods at his store. Workers were expected to get by on much less while George Pullman continued to profit. Workers responded by walking off the job on May 11, 1894. Laborers organized under the American Railway Union with Eugene Debs at its head. The strike spread across 27 states and territories and involved 150,000 workers. It paralyzed the nation's rail systems. Newspapers in Chicago gave conflicting views of the strike on that first full day of May 12, 1894. The Chicago Tribune gave more favorable coverage to George Pullman, with passive headlines such as, Pullman men out, discharges the cause, and committee men laid off and their comrades act. The Chicago Times tried to be the people's paper and appealed to the masses. Their headlines for the same day were filled with action. Pullman men out, nearly 4,000 throw down their tools and quit. They refuse to strike another link till wrongs are righted. Firing three men starts it. The strike continued to wear on, and the American Railway Union called for a boycott and a strike against all trains that had Pullman cars. This huge national railway boycott started on June 26, and in Eugene Debs' words became a contest between the producing classes and the money power of the country. The Chicago Tribune responded with a headline declaring, Debs a dictator, who waged his war on the railroads effectively. On that same day, the Chicago Times went quite passive in their coverage, observing that not a wheel turned in the West. The railway managers were able to secure an injunction from the courts that effectively outlawed the strike, which meant that federal troops and state militia were dispatched to stop the labor disturbance. On the 4th of July in Chicago, the arrival of the U.S. Army occasioned a confrontation with workers that left 13 dead and more than 50 wounded. Damage to railroad property numbered in the hundreds of thousands. By July 11th, an estimated 34 people had died. Debs and other labor leaders were arrested and the strike started to collapse. As a lasting legacy, the Supreme Court upheld the use of injunctions and strikes. The Pullman strike also served to reinforce the lines of class struggle and show that workers had little protection, whereas industrial titans had private armies and military force. The Pullman strike was one of many labor confrontations during the Industrial Revolution as workers attempted to have some say over their lives and a voice in labor relations. I'm Dr. Amy French, an associate professor of history, and this moment in time is a production of Delta College Broadcasting in collaboration with Delta's History Department.